Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighters Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Ah, good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Thank God I don't got to talk about the Canes right now. It feels like a funeral. Does, does anybody else feel that? Other than, of course, FIU uh, alum and, uh, and actual fans. Um, it feels like a funeral is like over the air of Miami today. It's weird. It's a weird feeling. Uh, obviously, we'll get into a lot more of that tomorrow, but it was good to have some kind of a sporting event to go to after the Canes game. Because, look, the Heat game last night, whatever. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a second night of a back-to-back. You know, good teams will blow out other teams uh, all the time, regular season NBA. It's damn November. I'm not going to be uh, – I'm not going to be soft and get all – and get all up in my feelings about that. But FIU beating Miami, I mean, my God. Especially with just the simple – you know, Butch being the guy to do it. At the graveyard of the Orange Bowl, it is just it's it's a heavy heavy morning down here in South Florida. It really is. Again, other than for everybody celebrating at FIU, but for people who care about the Canes football program, what it once meant, all of that stuff, uh, it's a it's a bad spot right now. But obviously, we're gonna do a lot more of that tomorrow uh, from six to ten a.m. So let's switch over to what went down last night in the fight game. And honestly, if you're a South Florida guy. Uh, not much better because Luis Ortiz, who is a resident down here in South Florida, um, you know, the the native Cuban who was trying to become the first Cuban heavyweight champion of all time. Um, it was uh, it was a, a good performance from him. Up, It was it was very reminiscent of the first fight. And unfortunately, we got to the seventh round. He left a uh, he, unfortunately for him. Got to the got to the seventh round and left himself open and boom, right hand, right down Broadway, and he ended up getting knocked out by Deontay Wilder. Uh, wasn't able to beat the count of ten. You know there was some uh, debate with him whether or not he got up or didn't get up. I, I tell you this: if he did get up from that from that knockout and they did let the fight continue, it wouldn't have much, been much longer. He was he was out out. It was it was a devastating right hand it was it was a Deontay Wilder special and I think that if you are Deontay Wilder fan if you are uh, a supporter or if you're somebody who predicted that he was going to win that fight which I did this last this last week on this very show uh that fight went about as much as you thought it was going to go it was it was pretty much to a T we talked about this last week with Deontay Wilder and my big point with it was, and Deontay was, I didn't watch a lot of the, the, the pre-fight stuff uh, up until yesterday. I watched, I binge-watched all fight camps and all that stuff, and I, I wasn't, you know, glued to the to the pre-fight build-up as I normally was. Uh, the only thing that really switched my opinion or just gave me pause, there were two things in this fight. One, I thought the odds were way too long. I thought they were way too long, even though Robbie had it in his Magnificent Seven. And by the way, Robbie's producing this morning. Good morning, Robbie. How are you, man? Good morning. Um, Robbie had this in his Magnificent Seven. I told him, you know, I thought it was a little bit wary to have it where it was just because, you know, minus 650 for Deontay Wilder for, for, for a fight he almost lost and basically half a fight we saw yesterday he was losing half the fight on the scorecards. It just seemed a little bit long for me, um, but I got it. You know, De- Deontay's, a, you know, Deontay's still in his prime. Luis Ortiz 
whatever age he is, is probably on the tail end. This is probably his last crack at the heavyweight championship. Uh, I just thought it was a little bit too long. And then, you know, I Luis Ortiz traveling to Vegas and seeing the results of the shape that he got in, you were you were very impressed. The thing was, you know, with all of the talk of, of what shape he got in, I felt like he still fought that fight. I, I still felt like he went into this fight fighting like a guy who was trying to get through all 12 rounds and really didn't give Deontay Wilder anything to fear or, or or think about. And that's what we talked about last week. When we talked about this matchup and we talked about the two of these gentlemen stepping into the ring, who has to do something really different? And that was Luis Ortiz. He really did. He had to give Deontay Wilder something to respect, something to think about, something to make him hesitate when he sees those openings, when he sees those opportunities to go and take out Luis Ortiz. Can he be, can he be given pause in the ring to not want to go there and find his opportunity to find his chin. And that wasn't the case. Luis Ortiz was winning the rounds, but he wasn't necessarily winning the fight. And what I mean by that is, yeah, he was tallying the points up and he was winning the clock game, but he wasn't imposing his will on Deontay Wilder. Yeah, there were moments where he hit nice left hands down down the middle and, and you know, was hitting solid shots and Deontay Wilder... Some may say look flustered. Some may say he was being patient, uh, but he wasn't returning fire a lot, which is why most people had it at you know five one after six rounds. Maybe you had it six zero. One of the judges had it four two. You know that's about as best as I think you could probably have it on a scorecard basis for Deontay Wilder. But we go back to what we talked about last week, and this isn't tooting my own horn. This is just the facts when it comes to Deontay Wilder. When it comes to a 12-round fight against that guy, he's not playing to win the fight on points. He is playing to knock your head off. And when it comes to that, he doesn't need 12 rounds. He needs 12 seconds. He needs to set it up. He needs to put that right hand right on your chin or on your temple or on your cheek, and you go down every single time. Okay, only two fighters in his 43-year in his 43-fight career have gone the distance with him. Uh, Tyson Fury, by some miracle, was able to get up in the 12th round. I, you know, maybe it's the fact that he is a giant in his own right. He's six nine. He weighs a ton, and he was able to absorb it more. I don't know, but Deontay Wilder, for all the crap that he gets for not being a savvy boxer. He is an amazing fighter. He is the baddest man on the planet. He represents the heavyweight championship better than anybody does because he has taken on the toughest challenges this part of his career. He has gone out and put an exclamation point on every performance that he's gone there for. And he's just everything. Everybody, everything has everything everybody has talked about and complained about with the heavyweight division for these last 10 years, he has put forth for you. He is charismatic. He is American. He knocks people out. He takes on tough challenges. It's uh, he, he does everything that you would want him to do. So when I looked at this matchup and I, and I saw, okay, what can Luis Ortiz do in this upcoming fight? Yes, he's going to make things uncomfortable. He's a tough matchup because he's a great boxer. He is as pristine as it gets when it comes to the sweet science, and he is very powerful. But he had to be... Powerful enough to make Deontay Wilder hesitant to take those openings. And he wasn't. He wasn't. He was fine, but he never really felt like he was 
he was imposing his will. He never really felt like he was taking that extra step to uh, to make it his fight. He seemed almost content with, yeah, I won that round. Yeah, I did enough to win that round. Yeah, I hit a couple left hands. I won that round. There wasn't that. There wasn't that moment from the seventh round of the last fight where you're like, oh, oh, he's swinging the fight in his favor. This is his fight now. That never, never came for Luis Ortiz, and, and because of that. You, you left Deontay Wilder down on the scorecards, but not down on hope, not down on confidence. He, was, he had you right where he wanted you, um, and, and, that's, and that's what that, that beautiful right hand was. He put him down. Fight was finished. No controversy for me with, uh, with the referee you know, waving it off or anything like that because, in all honesty, he was probably saving Luis Ortiz from a worse beating. He really was because once he gets you down like that, it's uh it it's going to end up being even worse for you. You don't want like a a Bermain Stavern situation where he's turning you into an internet meme. That 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 you don't want to be the case. And so we find ourselves in this position. So Deontay Wilder is going to take on Tyson Fury, and I thought that this fight was going to say a lot about the rematch between him and Tyson Fury because I want to know with a match like this, what is Deontay Wilder learning? What is he taking? And and from my standpoint, I feel like this performance tells you a lot about what can come the next fight against Tyson Fury. I feel like this is a tough matchup, and Deontay said this yesterday, and he's absolutely right. Nobody else is facing Luis Ortiz. He's been absolutely deserving of being atop the heavyweight division with the record that he has, with the credentials that he has, and nobody's been giving him a shot. Not Anthony Joshua, not Tyson Fury. I'll take Andy Ruiz off of that list for now because he just became champion and he has a mandated rematch. But the tops of the division, only Deontay Wilder wanted that fight, and it was the fight that really put credibility on his career. And so now he's fought that fight twice. He won it late. He had some danger to get through in the first fight, and in this fight, no real danger other than being down on points. And the first opportunity, the first time that he really let his hands go, it was over. And so that tells me a lot. For everything everybody wants to say about Deontay Wilder, oh, he's not a good boxer, oh, he doesn't know the sweet science, oh, he can't stick behind his jab, he's a, you know, all of that stuff. Fine, guys, but you're missing the boat if that's what you want Deontay Wilder to be. If you want Deontay Wilder to be the most pristine boxer you've ever seen, then you're missing out on one of the best knockout artists we've ever seen, one of the most powerful guys we've ever seen in the heavyweight division. You're missing out on the show. You're missing the show stopper. You're missing box office. You're missing a star. In front of us, people want to talk about ah, you know, Mike Tyson. Maybe uh, you know, Mike Tyson is the most powerful guy in the world, not Deontay Wilder. It's like I don't know what you're talking about. You know, Deontay Wilder, he's he's half a foot taller than 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 Mike Tyson, and as the career's gotten harder and the opponents have gotten harder, his performances have gotten better, and and the exclamation points have gotten bigger. All respect to Mike Tyson. Listen, he's a legend. No one's ever going to take that away from him. I think he's always going to be a guy who has more of a feared aura around him. I'm not saying that Deontay Wilder is going to be a bigger star than Mike Tyson, but you want to talk about knockout power and, and what this guy does. Every Everybody who goes there falls to the canvas. And, you know, all this all, all this uh, mental wherewithal, you know, when Tyson got pushback on his fights, when when he when somebody bullied back on him, a lot of the times that was trouble for Mike Tyson. Deontay Wilder, that's not the case. This guy's been through some adversity, whether it's the Luis, the first Luis Ortiz fight, the Tyson Fury fight. He's still been able to find these guys' chin and put them to the canvas. That's power. That's, that's, that is unbelievable fortitude, and that's something that is quite remarkable. So 
I say that all to get to this point. So I wanted to see this performance and see what he would do against Luis Ortiz with another opportunity because we've seen him in a couple of rematches now. We've now seen him against Bermain Stavern, who, you know, was out of shape and, and took that fight on short notice. So you weren't expecting much from the only guy who went the distance with Deontay Wilder. But he went from going the distance to Deontay Wilder to having one of the most humiliating knockout losses in recent heavyweight history. And then you get to the the fight against Luis Ortiz, a, a guy nobody wants to face, a guy who looked like he was on the verge of finishing Deontay Wilder, went 11 rounds with Deontay Wilder, or 10 rounds with Deontay Wilder, and then ended up getting finished. But now, he takes him on again, and yeah, Luis Ortiz is winning on the scorecards, but he's not winning the fight. He's not he's not winning the fight. He's not he's not bullying Deontay Wilder. He's not giving Deontay Wilder anything to fear. And because of that, the first opening that there was, little left hook, got him on open, opened up so much, boom, right down the middle, right hand. And so, why is that important in relation to Tyson Fury? It's because for everything everybody wants to talk about, Deontay Wilder not being a good boxer and not being a smart fighter and not being a fighter that anybody wants to uh, respect because of what, you know, the sweet science is and all that stuff. This guy learns. He learns about his opponents. Okay? Everybody wants to talk about, oh, Floyd Mayweather's a supercomputer. You know, he's a, he's a guy who he's a guy who, who downloads the information. No, 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 no. Okay? A lot of fighters do that, guys. All right? Floyd's, Floyd, Floyd is great at it, and maybe he only needs a couple rounds where some need an entire fight. But it, these guys are all great fighters. A guy who has 40 plus fights in his career, you don't fight a, a guy for 10, 11 rounds and think you're not going to go and learn something the next time you step in the ring with him. And honestly, the difference was is Deontay went and he was probably a little bit more patient this last fight. He's the one who fought this fight different than Luis Ortiz did, who you know probably should have cranked up the aggression and instead dialed it back a little bit. Um, and, and for a guy who worked on all his conditioning and, and got himself in tr- tremendous shape and, and looked fantastic at the weigh-ins, didn't fight like a guy who really trusted this new shape that he was in. So what I think this tells us going into the Tyson Fury fight is, all right, it took Deontay Wilder a long time to really find Tyson Fury's chin. He was fighting a guy way bigger than him for the first time in his career. You know, has to hit up a little bit, has different angles that he has to work out, has to learn a quirky style. But he still got him to the canvas, didn't he? He still put Tyson Fury on his ass twice. So what that tells me is Tyson Fury, the next time that he steps into the ring, has got a problem because Deontay Wilder learns when he faces guys. and And he is not going in there to beat Tyson Fury on the scorecards. That's what Tyson Fury's trying to do. He can do all the pre-fight buildup that he wants to and say that he's, you know, I'm going to knock you out, you dosser, you bum. He can say that all that he wants. But it's not true. Tyson Fury goes out there to go outbox guys, to dance around, to stick behind his jab, to, to try and flush to you. He's trying to win on scorecards. Deontay Wilder's looking to take your head off, to put you on the canvas and make sure you don't get up. And... Now that he's been in there for an entire fight with Tyson Fury, you telling me that he's not going to f- know the route to his chin a lot easier than he did the last time? Because let's be honest, what you've seen from Tyson Fury since that fight, it hasn't been that impressive. 
It hasn't been. Well, because he did the shimmy against the, the Schwartz, again, like, like he was Ali. <coughs> no, man. This guy's been the same. He doesn't look like he's adding any new tricks to his book. And so when these guys square off again, I'm sure he's going to go and win 10 to 12 rounds, 9 of 12 rounds, or however long the fight goes. I'm sure he's going to be up on the scorecards. But the difference is Deontay is going to have all of that experience of fighting him now and know how to get to his chin a lot faster than he did the first time. And that spells danger for Tyson Fury. It really, really does. You know, he's a guy who doesn't have the best chin in the world. Tremendous fortitude to take that shot in the last fight and get up like the Undertaker. We were all stunned by it. But it took Deontay Wilder really a full fight to figure out that range, to find that magic shot. It's not. I don't think it's going to take him that the next time. I really don't. I think he's going to know this opponent very, very well. I think he's going to know Tyson Fury's tactics. I think he's going to know his tricks. And... I think that he is going to find that chin a lot faster, and he's going to finish him this time. I really believe that. I think this guy is the baddest man on the planet because he knows what he is. He doesn't try and be anything else. You know, Anthony Joshua, he goes out there. He loses a fight to Andy Ruiz. I'm too muscular. I got to fight bigger. I got to change my entire body. I got to change my entire camp. You know, he tries to recraft. He's been really shook by that. Deontay Wilder, a lot of the times, you, you have a performance like you did against Tyson Fury, you're like, ah, I got to change things. I got to be a more, uh, I got to be more of a tactician. I got to, I got to outbox. It's like, no, you're never going to be that. We're at this point in your career. You're 34 years old. Why try and be something you're not? You're, you're a knockout artist. And he doesn't, and that's the, that's the thing I love about Deontay Wilder is that he doesn't try to be anything that he's not. He is a knockout artist. He's proud of being a knockout artist. He knows that whoever steps in that ring has to get through 36 perfect minutes to avoid that bomb, and most of them don't. Nearly all of them don't. We'll be back with more after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, everybody. Tony with you on Fighters Fury. Hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving week coming up. I'll be in a couple days this week doing the morning show. Um... Really great performance by Deontay Wilder yesterday. That was such a sensational knockout. He really is a showstopper. Uh, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun to see. And you know what? I, he is a really he, he does just seem like such a good dude because you know one of the reasons that he took this fight again is he wanted Luis Ortiz to get another big payday. Like the reports are, Luis Ortiz is going to get seven million dollars for this fight. Seven million dollars for Luis Ortiz to get this fight. Um, and that's just awesome. You know, like Luis Ortiz, I, 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 he is, he's such a, he's such a good dude down here as far as supporting his, uh, uh supporting the fighters, the guys who train at Herman Casado's, uh, Casado's gym who, uh, they go down there and whether it's a, a fight at the fairgrounds, a fight at the hard rock, wherever it may be, you know, if he's got somebody in that, st- first of all, he's basically at every card anyway, but if he's got somebody in his stable, he's there supporting those guys. And, you know, this is a guy who's now fought for the heavyweight championship of the world twice. It's a big deal. This guy's, these guys made it to the tops, and he still has his care for those guys who are his teammates. So it's good to see Deontay had the consideration. You know, Deontay Waller's a, a, a guy who has a daughter with special needs, and, and, and Ortiz has had to deal with that as well. And so to see that brotherhood amongst them is really great. It's you know, he's really got everything that you'd want in a heavyweight champion. And uh, 
you know, these next matchups that are going to come up are going to be fascinating. He he did confirm because there was some discussions about whether or not was he going to bounce and, and do an Andrew Ruiz fight instead of the Tyson Fury fight. I guess the contract is officially signed, so they are he is going to fight Tyson Fury on relatively short notice. Not short short notice isn't the right term, but he's going to have a quick turnaround. Um, that'll be in February, and I really think that this one's going to go easy for him. I think I think it's going to go easier for him, and I think that he's going to win this fight. And and, and he is he is just becomes such a devastating puncher, and no matter what, he goes and finds a target. The thing that's going to be fascinating, and I really really would love to see, is you have Andrew Ruiz taking on Anthony Joshua in a couple of weeks. They both uh, AJ has put out the videos of himself uh, arriving in Saudi Arabia. And this is going to be a unification bout, or a uh, this is basically for all the other belts, is what this is for. And you know, the thing that's going to be fascinating with it, with AJ is AJ is going about this way different than Deontay Wilder did after Deontay probably had his toughest challenge against Tyson Fury, and some may say was exposed against Tyson Fury. Uh, he he completely changed his body. He is losing a lot of muscle. He is trying to be lean and mean. He's going to try and be this boxing uh, savant going in there against Andy Ruiz, which is, you know, Ruiz just has stuff. Look at his body. Look at, look at what he brings to the table. And you you telling me your hands are going to be quicker than him, that you're going to have these spots. Now, the idea that he's going to take this fight a lot more seriously, I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. Don't forget, there was a lot of weirdness over AJ. That, that night, too, we were all looking at him, you know, looking up at the, at the lights and kind of just seeing like he wasn't quite all there and people were, you know, there were a lot of stuff, a lot of controversies. There was, uh, there were, there were rumors that I think I've actually been confirmed that he was knocked out and sparring really, really hard. Um, there were, there were words of an altercation that went on his locker room. Some people were saying panic attack. There were some wild rumors going around Anthony Joshua with uh with that last fight that I don't know. I think he's going to probably try and do everything to be as clean and pristine as possible. But at the end of it, the question's going to the question's going to remain does he have the style? Does he have the ability to beat Andrew Ruiz? Now he did put him down in that third round. He did put him on the canvas. Uh can he hit something a little bit cleaner, a little bit more devastating? Yeah, I think he can. I don't think that he's completely outmatched on this, but if you want to talk about, you know, the the better footwork, the better hands, all that stuff, I don't think that stuff's going to leave as far as I think Andrew Ruiz is going to have advantages there. If you want to just talk about pure power, okay. I mean, I guess if AJ hits him just perfectly, he can absolutely devastate Andrew Ruiz and maybe that'll be something different. But um he's not he doesn't have Deontay Wilder power. He doesn't have that kind of mistake eraser that Deontay does. And he and he's He's not as he's not as shameless about it. You know, Deontay's there yesterday and he's talking about I don't care what the scorecards say. That's I'm not going to go and win a and win a fight on points. AJ's not the same type of way. You know, it's it, it's it, he's not that same type of guy. And you have a lot of people questioning him and I think that he's bought into a lot of that stuff. I see a lot of the a lot of the typical mistakes that'll happen with a guy when he gets when he gets beat once. You're seeing go around Anthony Joshua. Maybe, listen, maybe it'll all work out and and, and, and he'll get a sensational knockout and, and maybe that'll happen. I don't know. Um, I, I don't want to rule it out because I don't think that he is, uh, I don't think that he's completely a, a broken fighter. But it is interesting seeing a lot of the traditional moves that you see happen to a guy who feels like he's is 
His career has really been shook up. Um, he's he's kind of gone to that well. But I, look, this is uh, the, if he does win this fight and he does get his belts back, what's going to be fascinating is do they go trilogy or will then they finally go and make the Deontay Wilder fight? Because the way I'm looking at this is, okay, these guys are going to fight in December. Um, if you were to do a rematch between the two of them, you could see them probably, if you were to do a trilogy, let's say AJ evens the score, you'd do something like April could be possible, maybe uh, maybe May, maybe June, something like that. And if that's the case, then we could look at an end of the year undisputed championship against either Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder. I think that's that's probably the route they go because I can't imagine Deontay's going to do this fight with Tyson Fury and then fight again at the uh, in the summertime, I would say that he's going to fight Tyson Fury and then await the winner for however long that takes. Um, the only problem that you have to worry about is, okay, what if it gets to a point where uh, it gets to a point where you know somebody gets seriously hurt and then there's a lot of timeout? Does Deontay take a fight? Although, look, he he just made twenty million for this fight for this fight against Luis Ortiz. I imagine he's going to make more for the Tyson Fury fight. So it's not like he's going to be a guy who's hurting to go fight. That's not going to be the case for him. Um, I do think though, if Andy Ruiz gets the best of him in this rematch, if he does beat the Anthony, if he does beat Anthony Joshua in the rematch, uh, that's going to be a really easy fight to make between him and Deontay Wilder because they're both rep by Al Heyman. So if, if, if we have the situation where Deontay and Anthony Joshua are both holding the belts by the time the spring rolls around, it could still be dicey because look, there's been some pretty toxic talks between Deontay Wilder, Al Heyman, and that whole conglomerate. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit of uh, news that happened with Floyd Mayweather. As he has uh, posted on Instagram, he is coming out of retirement. What the hell does that mean? We got a little bit of insight, our first report on what Floyd's intentions are. How much do you believe them? We'll get to that next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fun Fury here on the ticket. Brian Monroe and Rashad, Rashad Butler, they coming up after us today, Robbie? If you guys want some Kane's reaction, I'm sure they are. Uh, they're going to have it all for you. As I said to start today's show, Miami, it feels like they're – today it feels like the day of a funeral. It really does. Like there's a weird heaviness in the air after FIU won. I'm sure everybody at FIU is thrilled. But uh, for the majority of the Canes fans out there, for all the Canes fans out there, losing to Butch Davis, the former architect of uh, of your of your program, the the, the remake of your program, uh, for him to get that win at your former stadium's ground, it's it's just a it's a it's a toxic feeling today in the air. Really, really is. And look, Manny Diaz said after the game yesterday, one of the darkest days in the history of the program. You know, I don't. Uh, I don't. I, quite frankly, for him, I don't know how you bounce back from it. I really, really don't, especially with how things seemed like they were going. Like he had turned things around, but again, that's a conversation for tomorrow. From my standpoint, and I know Robbie, uh, Robbie, uh, what are the odds that the, the, a shortlist will be busted out on tomorrow morning's show? Ninety-nine percent. Okay. Uh, so, so unless Robbie, unless Robbie's locked out of the studio yes. and can't get to a microphone. Uh, that, that's the only margin for error we're putting that the that the shortlist doesn't make it on the air tomorrow. Like, like Stephen A. Smith said, you're gonna give human beings a chance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've been talking a lot about the heavyweight uh, the heavyweight division, rightfully so. A uh, great performance by Deontay Wilder yesterday. Um, I want to get into a little bit of this. So Floyd Mayweather shows up yesterday. Uh, I don't quite know. Excuse my ignorance. I don't quite know why he was a promoter on this uh, this this entire arrangement. But he's been showing up to basically every Fox card. Um, I remember Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao both showing up to Errol Spence versus uh, Mikey Garcia. It was really cool. Big entourage for both of those guys. They, man, they, they have a lot of people around them. But uh, the big news this week as far as Floyd was concerned is he is coming out of retirement uh, to fight in 2020. And that he, he put actually two posts. He put one. His first one was a post with Dana White as they were at the Clippers game together. And he says, Dana White and I working to, uh, together again to bring the world another spectacular event in 2020. And then after that, he posts another Instagram uh, thing that says, coming out of retirement in 2020. And it's a picture of him uh, with his boxing trunks on, with his hands wrapped up, looking down. And, you know, we had Peter Kahn, a friend of the show, and covers boxing for Forbes. We had him on hours after this had happened. And, you know, Peter's in the game. You know, he's, he's he's a boxing manager, his guy... Uh, one of his fighters, Xander Zayas, who we've had on this f- program a couple of times. He is actually fighting next week. He's having his second pro fight on ESPN+, Plus, so you guys could check that out. He was sensational in his first fight. Um, but he's like, I just I don't, I don't know what that could be. I don't know what he's, he, this seems like, you know, an exhibition or a freak show. Um, you know, it d- d- just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make sense. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't seem like it's, uh, it's legit. So TMZ who you go for all the legit journalism. They've broken a lot of stories, but this is what they say. They say that he's coming out of retirement for two bouts next year. One, 
Looks like it is going to be a rematch against Manny Pacquiao. And the other is going to be another crossover UFC match. Uh, as for dates, they say we're told that Floyd wants to fight in May and again in September. He's even thrown out the possibility of fighting at the new Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas. They say, again, it's very fluted and could change with the win. But for now, that's what we're told is the starting point. So, interesting. Um, I do think that with Manny's resurgence and winning a championship, uh, the way that he looked against Keith Thurman, he's reportedly looking at either Danny Garcia and Mikey Garcia for his next opponent, uh, which are both fine. You know, he's got this new deal with Al Heyman and uh, for PBC, and he's he's just he's still just a, a huge star. I got to tell you, like, going to get to watch him against Keith Thurman, one of the coolest sporting events I've gotten to go to to see 40 year old Manny Pacquiao put Keith Thurman on the canvas early in that fight, how the place went crazy. He still has a huge buzz about him. And if Floyd were to come out, um, I think that in a weird way, enough time has passed with him being inactive in actual boxing and Manny still being an active, being active and really being a welterweight champion. You could kind of talk into, okay, we're going to start talking about the injury again. It's not going to be what it was. They're not going to do 4 million plus pay-per-views or whatever crazy number they threw out there. Um, they're not both going to make, I, I think, $100 million for this fight. But if you could tell me that they're both going to make 50, uh, I could believe that. I mean, Floyd may not come out for anything less than 100. That's that's kind of where he starts things. But if you were telling me Floyd's going to make 100, Manny's going to make 50, 40, something like that, I could buy it. As far as him fighting one of the young welterweights, that's just not realistic. Like, Terrence Crawford is coming out, and he's saying he wants to fight Floyd Mayweather in 2020. You know, Terrence has a couple of things going. One, he's you know legitimately one of the best welterweights on the planet. Two, nobody knows him. And three, he works for Bob Arum. So, I mean, you want to talk about the trifecta of you got no shot of fighting Floyd Mayweather. All those things are going to knock you off of it. Errol Spence is obviously recovering from his, his horrific car accident where he had all his teeth knocked out. Uh, we haven't really heard anything from him since. Um, so I don't see that being the case, even if you wanted to say, well, is Al Heyman going to throw Floyd in there with him to uh, to to make Errol Spence an even bigger deal? Can't see it. Um, would you put Errol Spence on the same card as Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao? That I can see. You know, you put, if they could finally make Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford, you know, eradicate all the, the BS there, make those guys fight and make them the co-main event, to Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather, that would be a smart move promoter-wise because then those guys would get the true exposure they would need, and also, uh, and, and also, you know, they're not fighting two old guys in, in 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 reality. Problem was with that. I imagine that both Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence are gonna uh, overplay how much value they would think they would bring to that card, and so I don't know how much the pie wants to get divvied up. You know, normally if you have a fight like. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, and I assume it would be, you know, in a weird way, I would assume it would be on Fox pay-per-view because that's kind of, they've seemed like they've taken all the big uh, the big cookies from Showtime and Floyd's been showing up to their broadcasts and they're still under the Al Heyman banner of, you know, PBC and all that. So <coughs> I assume, uh, I really, you know what, guys, I really wouldn't be that surprised if this fight happens. I think Floyd spends a lot of money. I think he blows through a lot of money. I think he likes money. And I think he sees this as an easy payday. Could he lose the fight? I think what we've seen, what we've learned from, what we, take take what we learned from yesterday with Luis Ortiz, who looked in better shape, who looked uh, who looked like 
the better, uh, you know, like like looked like he changed a lot of stuff or fine tuned a lot of stuff. But ultimately, um, you give Floyd, you're going to give Floyd a rematch against a guy he's already spent uh, time in the ring with, who he probably already had a stylistic advantage over. Um, even with his age, I don't, I don't see that changing too much. Now, if if you talk about the Floyd Mayweather that fought Conor McGregor, who came forward and was all action. <coughs> That would be fun because that would be an all-action fight and we'd be able to actually get, like, you know, these two clashing. It wouldn't be the bore fest that was their first bout where we all felt like we were taken for a ride. I've never stared at a cable bill longer than staring at the $100 I spent on Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao. But I've been waiting for it for so long. I'd already invested six years of my life into it. So, you know, I was waiting regardless. I think the more fascinating thing for me, honestly, because I really wouldn't be surprised if, if Floyd and Manny fight again, uh, the more fascinating for me is what would the crossover fight be? There was some Twitter rumor there yesterday that they had already confirmed uh, Khabib versus Floyd Mayweather for for 2020. I don't buy it. I don't believe that Khabib is the uh, is the the box office draw that would that would warrant Floyd Mayweather fighting him. I really don't know if there's a current guy on the UFC roster realistically at Floyd's size that does make sense because. You'd have to go to the 155 division. Um, I don't think Khabib is that guy. Uh, I don't think anybody else is really that guy. I, I, I suppose in a in a in a I suppose Jorge Masvidal could get back down to 155 because if he were to fight Floyd, they wouldn't have to go by USADA rules. So I assume he could use an IV. Uh, and 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 Jorge has said that is the reason why he left. 155 pounds because you can't use IVs anymore. You saw it doesn't allow it, so it was too hard. So could you theoretically see that? I guess because he's mentioned the Canelo thing, but you know, I, I just think that Jorge is too new on the scene for Floyd to want to do that. He is much bigger than him. Um, you know, I just don't see it. I, I I don't see it. I think the only guy really in UFC that makes sense is Conor McGregor. Um. If Connor comes back and gets a win against Donald Cerrone, does that where is that where he breaks off to? Does he go and do another Mayweather fight? Certainly, uh, certainly could see it. The problem is, I just feel like Connor has a lot of rehabbing to do to do the type of box office draw that that is going to need for both of those guys to make a hundred million dollars on that fight. You're talking about it needing to be, you know. Four million plus pay per views, and I just can't imagine enough people reaching into their pocket and buying that fight after what we saw already. I can't, I, you know, especially with that one not having as much time as the Floyd Manny stuff and and those guys' careers going in different paths. If if Conor was riding high a little bit more, if he was a couple knockouts in and if, if he was refurbished a little bit, then we could talk about, you know, Floyd wanted to do the fight. I saw the odds came out and they said George St. Pierre was the uh, was the, actually the second shortest? I found this. Robbie, what do you think about this as a as a as a degenerate? What do you think about these odds? All right, these are the odds for his next opponent. Favorite, Manny Pacquiao plus two hundred makes sense, makes sense. Hmm. Second, I found this stunning. <coughs> second one, George Saint Pierre plus four hundred, Habib plus four fifty, Canelo plus one thousand, Connor plus one thousand, Dana White plus one thousand. George, I just, I don't see it. George St. Pierre, why, why does he warrant those odds? It's, it's, it's such a strange thing to me. Like, I've, seems to me if he's gonna fight somebody in UFC, Connor's the obvious bet. 
Um, but I think the reason why, if, if TMZ's report, let's say TMZ's report is accurate, and first he's going to do a Manny Pacquiao fight, I think doing that fight, the reason for doing that is you want to see who in the UFC really should. Maybe Jorge Masvidal comes out and becomes champion and dominates another, fi- uh, another fight and flying knees somebody in five seconds. If that's the case, maybe they get him to the star power that Floyd warrants to make that fight happen, and he's a big enough deal. I think, I think that... Jorge Masvidal hasn't hit quite his ceiling of stardom yet. If he goes and has a sensational knockout, becomes welterweight champion, or knocks out Conor McGregor even. Let's say you know those guys are calling each other out back and forth on social media. If Jorge Masvidal were to get in an octagon with Conor McGregor and knock him out, if some way they could agree to that fight being at 155 pounds and Jorge was allowed to use an IV, or let's even say, let's call it 160, you know, something in that realm. That 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 Jorge would be able to cut to, and he's a pro, so I think he'd be able to do it, even with him not fighting at the division in a while. If 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 Jorge Masvidal could get a knockout win over Conor McGregor, or have not quite a level of Ben Askren knockout, but a but a crazy enough knockout against Colby or Kamaru, I th- maybe Nick Diaz. We talked about this. By the way, the Nick Diaz fans got so furious at my take last week about. How I don't think uh, that fight is as interesting as as they think it is. They're like, "What? This guy doesn't know anything." It's like, "Bro, what, what are you all wearing? Your tap out shirts and your affliction shirts? You know, you know, sipping on your on your big gulps, just super mad at the internet because I say that Nick Diaz is quite as big a deal as you think he is from five years ago. You dopes, you idiot, Nick Diaz fans. That's what I'm saying, man. The Diaz fan, they're they're a cult. You can't trust them. They they, they think they think the they think the earth is flat. They're a bunch of Kyrie Irvings, bunch of weirdos." Anyway, um, I think theoretically, if Masvidal were to get a knockout that big, like against a Con- Conor McGregor, or win the welterweight championship in sens- such sensational fashion, and and and, and Jorge has already talked about the desire to go and fight Canelo, that's something I could see. Where like, okay, well, if he if he could get down to one fifty five, if he could get down to that that scope one fifty four. You were allowed to use IVs and rehydrate. Then I could see the Floyd Mayweather thing happening. Then, I, then we could talk. But for for right now, as things stand, I feel like the only guy who has the rightful, uh, the, the 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 quite the juice is Connor. Then I would throw Habib third. I would say he's third. I think this is what I would say. Right now, it's Connor and Habib. Those are the two. But I think with one more big knockout, and especially if that were against Conor McGregor, I feel like George would leapfrog them all. It's just the big question is the size. Could you realistically make it happen? And I think that's a legit question. I don't know if you could. So that's the Floyd Mayweather news from this week. Everybody have a great rest of your uh, Sunday. Try, try and try and enjoy. I'm going to the Panthers game tonight. Bring a little ice. We're going to go watch the Panthers try and bounce back after their loss against Carolina yesterday. Get this stink off of this Saturday. It was terrible. It was a terrible Saturday, but we'll talk more about it tomorrow. Uh, Brian Monroe, Rashad Butler, they will get into some canes with you guys. You guys can react to it, um, all that stuff. We will be back uh, with you tomorrow, 6 to 10 a.m., and we'll talk to you then.